Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me today for episode number 13. Today, we're going to talk about being on call and feeling tied to your pager. This is another one that was pulled from the list of topics requested when I crowdsourced a few months ago. As I've mentioned before, I'm an OBGYN in academic medicine, and the practice model where I work is mostly 24-hour in-house calls. We're a big enough group that it averages out to about once a week, maybe five in a month here or there. But we're not big enough that we can split all of the in-house coverage into 12-hour shifts. During the day, we have various docs covering various things, but at night, our in-house doc covers labor and delivery, ED consults, the benign guide service, the OB trauma pager, and calls from the answering service. On an average call, you might do a handful of deliveries, a scope for a ruptured ectopic or a torsion, maybe a suction DNC for a miscarriage, a bunch of L&D triages, and cover the pager. I'd say most nights when I'm on call, I get somewhere between two to five hours of sleep. There's the occasional up all night standing in the OR, didn't make it to the call room once. And there's also the occasional pager was silent, slept eight hours type of calls. But generally, it falls somewhere in between. From my conversations with other academic OBGYNs, I know our in-house call burden is a bit heavier than average, and not too many still do 24-hour shifts as the norm. And from my conversations with private practice OBGYNs, I know our call burden is lighter than average. While some private practice docs may have the same amount or even fewer calls per month, most still seem to require trying to juggle the office and L&D at the same time on their call days or doing surgeries in L&D while on call. And many have an expectation for continuing clinical work for at least half a day, often a full day, when post-call. We don't have that expectation at all, and I strongly discourage my coworkers from doing this. But anyway, I think I have a fairly representative experience of in-house call to be able to speak on this topic. In addition to in-house call, we usually have a week of backup call once or twice a quarter. Backup call for us is home call. During that week, we are the doc who takes calls from a handful of local hospitals who might need to transfer patients to us for a higher level of care. During a backup week, I know I have a pretty low chance of being called into the hospital, but I'm still beholden to that pager 24-7 for the week, and the specter of an emergency is always lurking in the corner. And while one or two weeks a quarter is not at all similar to specialties where home call is their norm, especially if they know they're very likely to get called in on home call, and you just don't know if or when it will happen, I still think it gives me enough experience to be able to speak on this too. So why do we hate call? The first thing I want to say about this is if you hate call, there is nothing wrong with you. You are perfectly normal. You might want to decide not to hate call, and we'll get into why and how later, but I'll leave that up to you. I'm just pointing out that hating call does not mean that you are a negative person or that you hate your job. It just means you have a perfectly normal human brain and it's doing its job to try and protect you from danger. I'm going to harp on this a little bit because it's so important. So many of us find ourselves hating call and then we judge ourselves for it because we think that must mean we're somehow broken, that maybe a good doctor wouldn't feel this way, or that we must be a terrible pessimist because there must be something wrong with you if you hate something that's such a big part of the job that you chose. 
And you spent the better part of your young adult years training for this. But seriously, I promise you, there is nothing wrong with you for feeling this way. And even so, you might decide you want to change it. So here are some things that come up commonly when I'm coaching people about hating call. I might not get any sleep or not enough sleep. Call takes me away from my family. I'm going to be tired the next day. I'm going to be crabby and short-tempered the next day. I might be unsafe to drive home. I might make mistakes or otherwise perform poorly for those who do clinical work post-call. I have to always be prepared to drop everything and go to the hospital when I'm on call. I have to always be prepared to interrupt what I'm doing and answer my pager when I'm on call. These are all highly undesirable things, right? So of course your brain would and should make call the enemy. If there's a very good chance that call is going to produce one or more of these outcomes, you should be programmed to want to avoid it. See? Again, this is a completely normal response. How about the pager? What are some things that we think about the pager? And when I say pager, I'm using that as a surrogate for whatever mechanism your answering service or residents or fellows or patients or nurses or other services use to contact you. I haven't had a physical pager for years, but I consider the app on my phone that sends me this information to still be my pager. So here are some things that we think about the pager. Patients are calling for inappropriate reasons, things that aren't emergencies, things that I can't fix, things that should be handled by the office during regular business hours. This consult is a dump. This transfer is a dump. X other doctors should be able to handle this themselves. X trainees slash nurses shouldn't need to call me about this. X trainees slash nurses should have called me way sooner about this. They can't win, can they? The answering service should have waited and clustered these two or three non-emergent calls into one page for me. The answering service shouldn't have clustered these urgent calls and should have paged me immediately for each. See, they also can't win, etc. So again, if you're thinking that one or more of these things is on the other end of your pager, of course you're going to hate it. They're all highly undesirable things. They're all things that your brain should make you want to avoid. I'm guessing that most of you could list a lot of reasons why you know it's a bad idea to hate call and to hate your pager. Hating call or your pager makes everyone on the other end of it your enemy. The patients, the other attendings, the trainees, the poor call connection staff who's probably making minimum wage at a job where they get yelled at by everyone all day. And thinking of people that you interact with every day as your enemies is going to make your life very unpleasant and probably theirs too. And if you've been following along, you probably know by now that it's not useful to resent or think you have to do anything because it's just plain not true. You have the authority to choose a different job anytime you want to or to quit and be unemployed if that's what you want. So why on earth would you try to tell yourself such a helpless story? It's not creating anything good for you, that's for sure. So you know these reasons, but that's still not the whole story. There's more to why you might not want to hate call. Recently, I was coaching someone about call. 
This particular doc is in a specialty where she takes home call and may or may not have to go in. Here's how that session went. The client told me she finds herself dreading her call nights. She knows that her calls are pretty easy compared to other specialties, but she still hates knowing that her pager could go off at any time, and she resents feeling like her personal life is invaded by call. Based on what we've outlined already in this episode, those are pretty normal thoughts. So next, we looked at what this belief is creating for her. We determined that when she's thinking these things about call invading her personal life, she feels resentful. The feeling of resentment drives her to complain about call a lot before, during, and after each shift. It also makes her spend a lot of time checking the EMR to see if anything is lurking. She avoids doing any home projects or tasks that she wants to do because she doesn't want to get interrupted. And the end result is that her belief that call invades her personal life creates exactly that. Our brains are really good at looking for and exaggerating supporting evidence because we love to be right. And sometimes we'll even create evidence, such as in this case. She does all these things out of resentment, and it proves that call invades her personal life. Her brain gets to say, see, I told you so. So in addition to the first category of reasons why it's probably not in our best interest to hate call, that this creates a wedge between us and our profession, and it turns the job into the enemy. The other reason is that by having any sort of call-hating belief, you will make call be terrible, and you'll prove to yourself that it has to be something you hate. If you've been following along, you probably also know that the solution to a situation like this is either change the way you think or change the circumstances. And I know I've mentioned a few times that if you villainize a person or a situation and you walk away from it without cleaning that thinking up, you're almost definitely going to drag that villain-slash-helpless mindset into something else in the future. So most of the time, the better option is to change what you're thinking. Here are some examples of better thoughts that I remind myself of when my brain tells me I really should hate call. The best part of my job happens on call delivering babies, sometimes performing life-saving surgeries. This is where I get to see the residents really shine. If I'm going to be up all night, I am really fortunate to be spending it doing a job that I absolutely love. I'm going to take an amazing nap tomorrow. This is a good one for me because I love napping. No one is making me do this. This is a job that I choose. As with any new skill or habit, it takes practice. You can't just decide to think differently and then magically it happens. Your brain is definitely going to offer to you the doom and gloom thoughts because that's what you've been doing for years. But once you at least have the awareness that that way of thinking creates something for you that you really don't want, you get to acknowledge and validate those old thoughts and then politely decline them. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm not doing that anymore. And I really want to stress that the approach of love and kindness toward yourself is critical. If you take something like that last thought, the uh, no one is making me do this, this is a job I choose, you do not want to think this in a blamey way. It's not, hey, this is all your fault because of the stupid job you chose. Because then that's going to lead you down a spiral of telling yourself that you make bad decisions or some other nonsense. It has to be a reminder of your own empowerment. 
I get to pick what I do every day. No one can make me do anything. I'm in charge of my life. Here are some better thoughts that I remind myself of when I'm hating my pager. The person on the other end of this call needs help, and I can help them. They don't know what I know. I've definitely asked for help in the past that someone else thought was stupid, and I really hate it when someone makes me feel small for it, and I really appreciate it when someone treats me with patience. As an aside, I will always remember when my first kid was a few days old, there was one really hot day where I couldn't tell whether it was just hot or if the baby had a fever. I took the temp and it was a little high, and I had no idea what the cutoff was for what's considered a fever in a newborn. I paged the pediatrician on call, who very nicely and kindly reassured me that this was not a fever and not to worry. A few minutes after the phone call, I came across the discharge papers, which very clearly stated what qualified as a temp and what didn't. The doc who answered my call certainly knew that I had been given written information that answered my question. They could have pointed this out, that I was essentially interrupting their day for no reason, especially since they knew that I was a doctor and I most certainly should know better than to have someone page to answer a question without first consulting the discharge information. But they didn't do any of that. They knew I was a new mom and I was totally overwhelmed and I just needed someone to tell me that my baby was okay. I remind myself of this all the time. It costs me nothing to be patient with someone who's worried about something that I know is not an emergency. And I'm certainly going to feel better about that interaction if I'm patient and reassuring than if I was annoyed and judgmental. And lastly, I remind myself that not everyone has the resources and life skills that I have. I can almost guarantee that every OBGYN listening has had many, many times in their career that they're paged on a Sunday morning because a patient ran out of birth control and is due to start a new pack today. And on that subject, why any doctor ever tells their patients they should start on a Sunday, I will never understand. It doesn't make any sense. But we know the reason they ran out was because they're overdue to be seen. We know that this is a predictable thing. They could have made this realization a week ago and called the office during business hours, but they didn't. And maybe it's because of something totally out of their control. Like they work two jobs, they're working 80 hours a week, they're always exhausted, and therefore they lose track of things. Or they're trying their best, but they don't have any organization or planning skills, and things like this feel really hard to them. I am not saying that I automatically think these things. It takes work. My first response, a lot of times, is still an internal eye roll. But if I'm in a place of self-awareness, I can intentionally remind myself of one of these better thoughts and then turn it around. Some days I'm not able to turn it around. I just get more and more annoyed by everything. But even on those days, I can remember that I get to drop the pity party anytime I want to if I get tired of it, and I can decide that I'd rather create a good day. It's the funniest thing. Every time I'm planning out a podcast episode, I always think, oh, this one's going to be really short. And it turns out I have a lot of opinions on pretty much everything I talk about. So thanks again for joining me today. If you'd like help evaluating the call or pager experience that you're creating for yourself, go to whitecoatlifecoach.com and schedule your free consult session. See you next time. 
views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.